Have you ever considered owning your own practice? Or what about transitioning from one career field to another? On today's episode of the Black Med Connect podcast, I had the fantastic opportunity to interview Dr. Jeffrey Scales, a dermatologist and the founder of the North Carolina Center for Dermatology in Durham, North Carolina. We had an amazing conversation talking about his journey through medicine and as a founder of a practice and owner of a practice and so much more. Let's jump right into the episode. Roll the music. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Black Med Connect podcast, affectionately known as the B-Med podcast, where we share inspiring stories of Black physicians and physicians in training at the intersection of medicine, culture, and innovation. We're excited to be here this evening. I have an amazing guest with me. His name is Dr. Jeffrey Scales, and we want to welcome you onto the podcast. Thank you for having me, Dr. Weiss. It's a real pleasure. Absolutely. So, Dr. Scales, if you could share a little bit more about what inspired you to pursue medicine, and we'll work our way all the way up to you being the owner and founder of the North Carolina Center for Dermatology. Does that sound okay? Yes, sounds great. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I was born in North Carolina, but I was raised in the Washington, D.C. area. My mother was a nurse, an RN, that worked in several hospitals, but I remember her most fondly working at Howard University Hospital. And in that role, she worked with a lot of Black physicians, including her boss, who was a pediatrician. And turns out that her, the boss's husband was the first Black pediatric surgeon in the world, as far as I know. He was trained at Children's Hospital. But anyway, I got to know him, got to know his son, who was one of my best friends, Chuck Rosser, and his mother. And I really enjoyed the conversations they had about medicine. I enjoyed the stories my mother would come home with. And there was a certain deference and reverence she had about the doctors and the work that they did in the hospital. And I remember thinking, this is really, sounds like a great profession. Sounds like something I'd be very interested in. The odd thing was, well, I'm one of those people I was growing up where if someone was sick, I wouldn't stay away from them. You know, if you had some cut in your arm, I'm trying to stay away from you. If you had ever told me I would end up as a physician, I would have said, no, that would not be what I'd end up. I wanted to be a race car driver or an architect. But turns out that medicine was my calling. So I was fortunate enough to finish high school there in Bethesda, Maryland. I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta many years ago, more than I like to remember at this point. And I had the opportunity there to get exposed to some really sharp people, some really motivated and intelligent and focused men in ways that Black men in particular had not been in a setting like that before. It really was a very inspirational time for me during my life. It really helped forge me. And I worked hard. I did well. I made Phi Beta Kappa. And I was able to go to medical school. I was accepted to a number of medical schools, but I chose to go to an Ivy League medical school mainly because I wanted to see the challenge. People ask me, why did you choose that medical school? You could have gone to Howard or some other place. And I was admitted to all those places, but I decided I wanted to try the challenge. And so I went and it was really a big change. It was quite a cultural change from Morehouse College in Atlanta to the Ivy League there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But it was good learning experience. I went on to train in pediatrics and practiced that for a while. And then finally dermatology. It was the inspiration of those people around me, particularly my mother, that took me down the path to medicine. 
That's fantastic. It's interesting and it's always exciting to hear how people get started along the journey. So when you mentioned you weren't interested before, you know, didn't really want to be around sick people, was it your time at Morehouse that really like solidified that you wanted to do medicine or did you start leaning towards it? What like really led you to go from not really thinking medicine to, hmm, maybe this is for me? Actually, it's probably more when I was in middle school that I decided I wanted to do that. And it had to do with the fact that my mother took me into the hospital and exposed me to some of the other doctors. I always found them to be very disciplined and honorable men, very professional. I really liked the way they carried themselves, the work they were doing, helping children and helping many people there in the area. And, you know, it's a predominantly black institution. And I really appreciate it seeing so many people doing such positive things. So at that point, I decided I wanted to be a doctor. There were a few things along the way that perhaps got my attention a bit. There are some things now that I think is very interesting. If these fields had been available then, I might have considered them. Things like supply chain management and big data analysis and cybersecurity. Those things didn't exist at the time I was going through. But still, I think I still would have chosen Madison. And I've been very happy with it. That's fantastic. And so you mentioned your time at Morehouse and then getting into the Ivy Leagues. And right now we're in that season for trainees who are thinking about or either in their interview seasons or about to start. What advice would you possibly give? You know, you went through, it sounds like for pediatrics. So what advice would you give early on to a trainee who's working their way through the interview trail? Is this a person that's finishing medical school and heading into a residency? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So I'll I'll take it in two parts. Let's take it first in decision-making. People are interviewing and trying to decide what it is that they want to do. I think if you're interviewing, you're at the point you've already decided what specialty you want to be involved. Mm -hmm. I think it's important when you're deciding where to go that you consider a number of factors. Number one is that you want to make sure that they have some experience dealing with a diverse group of people who happen to be something other than the patients. There are many training institutions where you go to and We are, people of color are the people that are used to teach the doctors how to be doctors most. But many of the people in the training programs are not represented uh, in that regard. And so I think it's important to make sure that they are comfortable with that and they are prepared to train you and you're not an oddity. I remember when I was in at Morehouse, uh, it was a time when they were really pushing diversity and someone came to visit us from the University of Vermont and they promised a full ride for anyone that wanted to come to the University of Vermont. And, you know, medical school is expensive, and I did give it some consideration, but I, one of the things I, I thought about was that I would be one of only a few people like myself, if any, others, and it would have been a very different training experience. Would the patients have been comfortable with? Would the doctors be comfortable with? So those are things, that's one important question to ask while you're going through it. Secondly is that, Always be early. I know it sounds like a very small point, but it is a very large point. Many times we take small things for granted. Well, I'm qualified. If I'm five minutes late, it's no big deal. When I was at Morehouse, they would say being there 10 minutes early is being on time. Being there on time is being late. And I thought that was a very important point. You want to be ready when they are ready. You want to interview early in the cycle if possible. They have yet to have gone through a lot of other people before you. Many of the spots have already been filled in people's minds. They have their list formed already, and you might be someone trying to fill a final slot, and you may be competing with a lot of other people. So it's important to try to be early, physically early, to your interviews. You want to make sure that you apply early, 
And then you want to be able to carry yourself in a confident manner. Doesn't mean being braggadocious, but people should feel like there's a certain confidence that, that you have when you speak. You're confident about the things that you've done and your accomplishments. Everyone has small blemishes on their resume somewhere or maybe some experiences that didn't go quite as well as them. You just need to be honest about it. You need to be very good at having eye-to-eye contact. That can be off-putting for people. You need to have erect posture. It sounds really, these things sound really small, like I'm talking about finishing school and I'm not. I have a daughter who's in medical school right now in her first year at the University of Pennsylvania. And I've tried to discuss some of these things with her. Your presence, your physical presence, your attire, making sure it's immaculate and appropriate for the circumstances that you're in. I heard someone say one time when I was in college that they had gone off to a corporate job. They had left Clark College in Atlanta and gone off to a corporate job. And they were getting feedback from their bosses that their clothing was different. He says, I, the person said, I like to wear, you know, brighter colors and these sorts of things. And they just, that's just me. I have to get used to it. That's not the impression you're trying to make. The impression you're trying to make is that I think of it that you want to go in there and all these things want to be in place such that they're not distractions. Being late is a distraction. Not being dressed appropriately is a distraction. You know, coming at the end of a session is a distraction. Not holding eye contact. Not that you want to stare down, but you should have the ability to hold eye contact and to be confident. It doesn't mean that you are trying to intimidate someone, but you want to be sure that you don't feel like there's anything that they are bringing to the table that intimidates you. So I think those are some of the things I would recommend. Have a range of places you're applying. Sometimes people are applying to just a very limited number of places. Apply to 10, 12. Spread them out regionally. Yes, you may want to be in Washington, D.C. You may want to be in, in Los Angeles, but it may not be possible that you can be in those places during that particular time of your life. Be prepared to live in places that may not be the final place you're living. You're not choosing your final destination. You're choosing a place for training. And the most important thing is that you get there and you get good training, and then you can make a decision at that point. So for others, it's important that I need to be around family and things like that. If you're planning to be a physician, you have to be prepared to move around and be in places that may not be as comfortable to you as you might want them to be. I went to Chicago for my first residency in pediatrics I've never lived in the place that cold before. <laughs> Frankly, it was, a, it was an amazing experience. I loved it. I love Chicago. I, I, I literally cried when I left Chicago. I enjoyed it there that much. But it's a very cold place. It was cold most of the year. I hadn't been in sub-zero temperatures before. I didn't have clothing for that. You know, learning to be indoors a lot. But it was something that was a very pleasurable time, and I enjoyed it. It was hard work. I worked very hard. In those days when you were a resident, you could easily be there there's nothing to be there 30 to 34 hours. I don't think they do that quite anymore, which is a good thing. I wish they hadn't done it then, but yes, you are going to be prepared to work hard. The other thing I'll say for people too, and I was having this conversation with my daughter, and she's having a little FOMO about her friends mm. and the things they're doing who are not in medicine. You're making a decision about a career that's very demanding, but very rewarding. As I was reminding her, she will never want for a job. She will always have employment. She is desired everywhere that they have need in whatever specialty she chooses. Most people can't imagine what that's like. No matter what the economy is, you're going to have a job. You will have a good income, not an average income, a very good income. You'll be able to do things and afford things in ways that others could only dream of. Mm. So yes, it is a hard thing. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be 
arduous and grueling because you're going to be making decisions about people's lives that literally can cost people their lives, depending on what your specialty is. So the idea that it might be hard, you might be working more than you think you should, that's part of the process. And you would expect your doctor to do the same thing when you showed up at some place. If you found this person hadn't trained as well as everyone else to train, that's not the doctor you want. Absolutely. You said so many great things there about, you know, timeliness and confidence. And I think even in this era where there are virtual interviews still happening, I think people may often take that for granted that you still need to come through the screen with confidence. You still need to be attentive. You still need to seem like you're interested and engaged in what's happening. So that's great advice about, you know, timeliness, confidence, knowing that you're going to make some sacrifices along the way, whether that be your location that you, you live in or missing out on some things with your friends or family. I do think, like you said, when you lived in Chicago, I did my residency in Atlanta, right? So you do have the opportunity to move around and it is exciting, which is definitely a journey that everyone else isn't necessarily familiar with. They may go to college and then they may go one other place, but we truly do move every few years for the time we're in training. So thank you for sharing what your experience was like during your journey. Hello, everyone. Are you enjoying the episode so far this week? Well, I'm excited to announce that this week's episode is sponsored by the BMed app. That's right. You heard it. The Black Med Connect app. This app will be for any black or brown pre-medical students, medical students, residents, fellows and attendings, even for institutions. We're in the process of developing our app and we wanted to share it with you now. So if you're interested in receiving updates on when the BMED app will be available to the world, then head on over to bmedconnect.com slash app, A-P-P, and join the waitlist. Let's jump right back into the episode. I wanted to ask kind of to follow up. You said you did pediatrics for a while, but now you're a dermatologist. I'd love to hear what encouraged you or what things were going on to make you want to pursue dermatology when you were already a pediatrician. And what was that transition like for you? I think it's a very good question. I'm going to say one thing and follow up to it. I forgot to add one more thing. When you go for the interviews, be sure you read about the people who are going to be in the department. Make sure you know, you hear, know a little bit about their research. You know, they're a little bit about their publications so that when they ask the question, such as what questions can I answer for you, which comes up inevitably, they'll ask a few and then they want to see if you have some interest. Every program should, you would not say it directly, but you should show an interest in every place that you go because you could end up at any of those places. So be sure that you've done some research on some of the people. But you asked me how I went from pediatric to dermatology. So when I was in medical school, I went through a number of specialty during my training. And I liked some of them, but I had to be honest, I really enjoyed pediatrics. It was the thing I enjoyed the most. And subsequently I trained in Chicago and I went on to become a general pediatric, a doctor. I practice in an underserved area there in Chicago and I practice in an underserved area in Cincinnati, Ohio. And one of the things I realized is that I probably have more of a specialist personality than a generalist. <laughs> there are many topics that you deal with in the primary care fields, which can be challenging. I think one of the more difficult things I found was dealing with children and child abuse. You would see the perpetrators, you'd see beaten children, you'd see all sorts of circumstances that I had to admit was something that I didn't think I could spend an entire career doing. Secondly, I think I enjoyed 
the idea of dermatology more than I realized. My last month of training in pediatrics, I had an opportunity to go and train with a wonderful, or at least learn from a wonderful woman in Chicago who was one of the premier pediatric dermatologists in the country named Amy Paller. And so I trained that last month. My wife was doctor. She was at that hospital and she had told me about this woman. And I really enjoyed the month I spent there. I thought to myself, that's something really I could do. Hadn't thought about it. So as my wife was training in her subspecialty, pediatric emergency medicine, I was helping to raise a child and working in general pediatrics. And I decided on a lark at the encouragement of one of our local doctors here who's since retired named Neil Prose. He suggested I apply. So I applied to a number of places and I got a few interviews. It's harder to b- go back to training, especially after you've already started in medicine. So they were taking me as one of the older applicants, but I applied to a number of programs. I had some interviews. I was signaled that I had the possibility of going to three different places. And I ranked my places and came to Wake Forest Baptist Hospital and trained with some wonderful people there. And I really enjoyed dermatology. I am a very visual person. I like the arts. I like sports. I like things I can see. My vision is my my strongest sense. And so I have a pretty good memory for memorizing things in regards to pictures and patterns. Far better than expected, uh, better than most of the residents. And so I really enjoyed that part. So practicing medicine to me is very much fun. I enjoy it a great deal. But I transitioned And afterwards, I decided that we were here in North Carolina, and I could have chosen many places to go. We decided to stay. My wife, at the time, was working at Duke Hospital, and we had two children at that point, and one of them was in school, and we decided just to stay here in North Carolina. But I was prepared to move to another place if we needed. And I've been here now, practiced 26-plus years. Fantastic, fantastic. I mean, you said so much, I want to kind of ask a few follow-up questions. And, and one thing that came to mind for me was you mentioned that you knew that your strength was being a visual learner. And I think people may take that for granted. Like if you know that you are good with your hands, if you know that you enjoy being around a certain population, like athletes or the elderly, like those are things that should go into consideration when you consider which specialties you pursue, because those strengths will only help you throughout your career. So thank you for you know sharing even that that you know, insight into what you were good at really even kind of helped you transition into dermatology. And another thing you brought up that I, I I love that you've said multiple times now, you've talked about family a lot. You've talked about your daughter in medicine now, and your wife was also a physician. How did you balance being a husband and a father during your time in training and even beyond once you started in practice? That's a great point. I think you really hit upon something that I was hoping to be able to mention. So as a general pediatrician, when it was just my wife and I, we could keep any sort of hours we wanted. At that time, there were no hospitalists. And so you would round on your own patients in the hospitals. It meant Saturday mornings, I was getting up Sunday mornings, I was getting up and going to see people in the hospital. And that was great while it was just the wife and I. And then we had a baby and then it became more challenging. So there were times I would, my wife would be working in the ER and I would be taking care of a child and I would bring the child and leave them at the nurse's station while I went in and rounded on some patients and I'd come back and take the baby and we'd head back home. And I realized that for the life I wanted, I needed to probably do something slightly different. I think one of the most important points, I've been talking to this with my daughter, is that when you go through medical school, you are going through it at a time for the most part that you're about, you have about as much independence and 
lack of responsibility as you will ever have in your life, ever. And you make decisions based sometimes upon the moment you are now. People say, I really enjoy working with the surgeon. Wait, it was so much fun. Yes. The question is not so much what do you like. You can like a lot of things. The question is how do you want to live? What do you see your life like? You mentioned the family. It's important for me to be able to provide nine to five type of care for my children as we were growing up. My wife is a pediatric emergency medicine. She's very smart, very, very accomplished. And her hours are different. There's no hour that's sacred. There's no day that's sacred that she couldn't work during the time that we were going through our career. I had no problems being married to another professional person. It is time, it's difficult sometimes we have two doctors in the house where people have demands on their careers. It's hard enough sometimes with one doctor, but we have two sometimes that's challenging. So I decided I wanted to choose a career after I had been in pediatrics and decided I needed to do something that was going to make me the more stable person at home. I'm home after five and I'm not home on week. I'm not away on weekends and I'm home during holidays. So I was the more stable person in terms of the hours, but I thought we made a great team together contributing things that they did. I have a certain way about me and my wife has a certain way. And so we both brought something to the table and we raised three children. But yes, that, those are very important things. You have to be honest about what it is. You say, look, I want to have three children. And I want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon or a cardiologist. Be clear what that life is really like. It's fun and interesting when you're the medical student and you're sitting there watching someone else do something. It seems very interesting. What is it like when you're there 21 straight days? You're rounding on patients all the time. I remember watching one of the pediatric surgeons train at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. In fact, he's in practice here locally. And he would see his children awake on Saturday mornings between the hours of about 9 to 10 when his wife, excuse me, would bring the children in to see him. Otherwise, he would go very early in the morning. He'd come home very late on the nights he didn't stay in the hospital. And that was that he was doing that for months, years. And that was not a life I could imagine. Now, granted, it's a tremendous feel and very necessary, but you have to be prepared to make some decisions like that. When all your family is going to be at the beach and you have to work, not just in training, but like that for the rest of your life, that has great impact upon you and has an impact on the people around you and the families that you haven't even formed yet. So you have to be very honest about what it is that you want. Just liking something as a specialty should not be enough for you to decide to go into it. You're going to have to decide, can you live that type of life? There are some specialties that have nearly 100% divorce rate, cardiology being one and some of the other surgical specialties. So that's something that you have to be very clear about. If you plan to be single for the rest of your life, it really doesn't matter. If you plan to have a significant other, perhaps some children, maybe you have some responsibilities like taking care of an elderly parent, you have to be clear about what your field will allow you to do. Otherwise, you're torn in a lot of directions and it makes you unhappy at work and unhappy at home. That's such great advice. And I really think students need to, to hear that in trainees and even early career faculty like myself, because I think we are making decisions a lot of time based on being very career focused, being very driven individuals, thinking about, you know, what we can accomplish and not always taking into account when life will happen. So we really, really appreciate you sharing, sharing that advice with our audience as well. We hope you enjoyed part one of the episode with Dr. Jeffrey Scales, dermatologist and founder of the North Carolina Center for Dermatology. We had an amazing conversation about his journey through medicine, the importance of family, and so much more. Stick around for our episode next week, part two, where we'll learn a little more about what it takes to run a practice, as well as explore what skin cancer is all about. 
Don't forget to like this video if you haven't done so already. Go ahead and hit that thumbs up. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel if you're watching us on YouTube or follow us and listen on all podcast platforms. We appreciate Dr. Scales taking time to have this discussion and stick around and come back next week for part two of the episode. Until next time, always remember to dream without limits. Bye.